One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So, are you tired of hearing all the talk about the Bucks quarterback position in 2020? And should the Bucks add a veteran presence in their secondary? Where will Jason Pierre-Paul be playing next season? And, you know, Gaylord Perry, the knuckleballer, he's in the Hall of Fame after admitting he doctored baseballs. Why does he get a pass when steroid guys don't? And how do what the Astros did compare to that? We've got all your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. I'm back from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, where it was very snowy the last couple of days. Uh, always good to, to see that and get home. <laughs> the quarterback. Yeah, the uh, weather, weather here is not that great in the mornings. I mean, well, I know that's true, but it's warmer. You know, we got that Certainly cold warmer. front just came through. I know. Look, trust me on this one. You want to live in Florida, not in Indianapolis. Oh, oh believe me, I've li- I lived uh, what in two hours northeast <laughs> of Indianapolis. That's where I grew <laughs> that's up. Right. So, yeah, um, I, well I know aware. very well. And the blood thins out, doesn't it, when you go to Florida? Oh, and you come t- back it up? took about a half a half a winter to thaw th- or to thin out. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's an absolute fact. So um, happy to be back. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, the, the podcast, and uh, our coverage of of uh, the combine. You can go on TampaBay dot com, read about the young quarterbacks that Bruce Arians is uh, considering. Um, one guy I will say that I was impressed with, just as a dude. Um, and if if I was looking to get a guy that I could develop and maybe use in different ways in the meantime, you know who I like? Jalen Hurts. Oh, yeah. Call me crazy. This guy, he reminds me of Russell Wilson in his temperament. Like, he, he's almost, like, too good to be true, right? I mean, a little bit of his, it mm-hmm. seems, like, so packaged and so cliche, but it's not. I mean, and all I know about Hurts is this, is that the guy's a winner, Yeah, right? well, he's a like, winner and well-liked. And well-liked, and people follow him. And mm-hmm. that's that position is so much about leadership and so much about who will follow you. And he think about what he did. He went to he went to Alabama, won a national championship, lost his job, came back, played, you know, um, then transferred to Oklahoma and was very successful at another iconic program mm-hmm. with, with spending almost no time on campus and just going right into the football season. So... But when you talk to him, you, you just get the feeling he will do everything he can, mm-hmm. everything he can to make himself a good player. He needs like I, to go to the right situation, though. It's, he does. He, he needs to go somewhere where he's not going to start this year. Yeah, and I and I don't think he'll start. He's not NFL this year. ready yet. No, no, and I don't think he will. And I think, in fact, I think he's probably going to be drafted down in the draft, like maybe the third or fourth round, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's okay because there's no pressure to play those guys, and that might be the best thing. But you know what you could do with him. You could do the same thing that they do with Tyson Hill in, in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you could well. put in some packages where, where other teams have to prepare for Jalen Hurts, whether it's on the goal line or just a series or, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever, six plays a game, six touches a game, where he can impact the game uh, while he's learning how to play the quarterback position. And he, I'm telling you, he'd be an unbelievable guy to have in the locker room. Well, after like, the Bucks sign Tom Brady, then Jalen Hurts will be drafted, <laughs> and that's their quarterback of the future. He just learns under Brady, see? You got it all figured out. We, we can solve this problem right here, right now. That's what we do. All right, let's get to our uh, questions, and uh, we got uh, some good ones today, so shoot. Well, speaking of Brady and that, the first question comes yeah. from Rootin4UF. Are you tired of talking, tweeting, writing about the Bucks' quarterback position? 
You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm tired that nothing is is really going to change. When I say change, it may not change anyway. I mean, Jameis may be the quarterback, but I guess what I'm tired of um, is is simply that we're not there yet. You know, like um, it can't come fast enough. Just so that you can kick the can down the road. There's very little you can do when you don't know the status of uh, you know. As we do this podcast tonight, for example. We, you know, as we're taping it, at least we don't know if Tom Brady's going back to New England. We don't know, you know, if Ryan Tannehill is going to go back to Tennessee. We don't. We just don't know, as Bruce Arians has said, who's going to make it to free agency. Uh, and until you do, you can't really react to different things. And, and the Bucks are sort of waiting, and everybody's waiting to see what's going to happen, what shoe's going to drop. So that part is a little, you know, you just can't really, you can't really advance the story very much, right? After it happens, whether Jameis comes back or, or doesn't or goes someplace else, I mean, certainly um, there'll be plenty to write about. And, um, and there is now, but I, I, it's just it's the nature of the beast. The quarterback position in any football, whether it's college, pro, youth, high school, you name it, is such a, a critical position that it, it does take up a lot of, a lot of space, right? And, and, and it should because they handle the ball on every play. Um, and whether you're talking about the rookies that are here, you know, that were in Indianapolis for the combine or the free agents, that's, this is the time of year where all of that gets sorted out. And, you know, I mean, we know how guys, you know, can, can change franchises, right? Uh, look what happened to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he was drafted by Kansas city, sat behind Alex Smith one year and then boom, threw 50 touchdowns, won the MVP. And now he's the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, that, that was a whirlwind, but I can remember being at the combine talking to Patrick Mahomes, you know, and no one knew quite where he was going to go. And Kansas City moved up to get him. And um, how many teams, including the Bears and others, would would have if they had a redo or a mulligan, wouldn't take Patrick Mahomes now? Um, so it's fascinating. You just don't know which one of these young guys are going to become superstars. And you know, uh, Lamar Jackson's another example. You know, when he was here, everybody's like, "Well, you know, would you consider playing another position?" and they asked Jalen Hurts that, you know, just the other day. And so uh, it's fascinating. But I'd like I'd like for the story to move. I think Bruce Arians is, is ready to move on. I think you just want to know what your football team, who's going to be your leader. I mean, whoever the Bucks end up with, that's their leader. Whoever the Titans ends up with, that's their leader. And it's such an important position. So I think we're all just kind of like waiting and, and anxious for to get that part of it out of the way. And then we'll move on to, you know, the draft and then uh, OTAs and, and training camp and all of that. But it's just the natural cycle of the league. And, um, you know, it's never going to stand still. There's always going to be changes. Well, Jim asked, Bruce Arians mentioned Tom Brady. Does he really think that Tom would last more than five games in his downfield attacking, no tight end using quarterback hit system? At least Jameis is mobile. Well, when you put it like that, <laughs> um <laughs> It's not exactly a description maybe Bruce would use for his offense. Um, I, I I think that you'd have to change. I, I, me and you have discussed this on other podcasts. I mean, I believe that Tom Brady has earned the right to play his offense, right, within reason. Now, you know, there, there's always, first of all, there's always crossover in any offense, right? I mean, there's there's a route tree. There's only so many things you can call it. You know, a hitch is a hitch, a you know, uh, you know, there's different numbers and systems and different things. And, you know, uh, the verbiage obviously can change, especially if you're in a West Coast offense like Gruden runs. It's very lengthy. Um, but in terms of the style, yes, Bruce Arians style, he wants to, you know, 
attack. He wants to – he's not looking for 10-play, 65-yard drives. He's looking for five-play or four-play, 65-yard drives. He wants to push the ball down the field. He wants to take his shots. Now, within that, though, um, there are plenty of, of guys that are available to the quarterback underneath in hot routes, what have you. The biggest thing is Tom Brady is not mobile. He's not as mobile as Jameis, clearly. And so what Brady does, I think, in some ways – um, even though he may not have as many downfield throws, what he does is help your offense and your and your offensive line because the ball's out of his hand. You know, the quarterback, his recognition, right, his recognition of the defense, of the rotation, of where to go with the football in real time, okay, when the ball is snapped. And Brady's one of the, the quickest guys to get the ball out of his hands and be accurate. If you can do that, then you're your biggest protector. It's not just the five guys up front. It's really you getting rid of the football and getting it into the hands of your playmaker. And I don't think there's any quarterback who has done a better job of that in his career than Tom Brady, right? He has gotten the ball out. He's gotten it into their hands in space where they can make plays. And, he, and he's been consistent. You know, he's a dart thrower. And so from that standpoint, much like Peyton Manning brought his offense to Denver, I think Tom Brady's going to bring his offense to wherever he goes. You have to. I mean, cause look, if you're Tom Brady, that's the first question I'm asking any team. Absolutely. You know, 100%. I mean, I can look at your roster and I know, you know, you're, who your coaches are, you but, but yeah. you know, I'm not learning. I'm not playing this offense or this, you know, I'm going to do what no. I do. If right. you're bringing me otherwise, in, you're adapting to me. Otherwise, yeah, I'll stay the, in New England or sign somewhere else. Yeah. And to the questioner's point, it's not a good fit. You know, like you're looking for fit. Like mm-hmm. if you're, you know, even even Joe Montana told Brady this. If you listen to the interview on the Super Bowl, he said, look, I went to Kansas City. And in addition to everybody, they they don't care what you did in San Francisco. They want you to do it for them. They want you to be great for them, to be the GOAT for them. But he says, the one advantage I had was they had Paul Hackett. And Paul Hackett ran 90% of the offense was what he ran in San Francisco. So he said, I even had the same you know, system, and it was still a struggle because because the players were different, because the fans were different, you know, the expectations were. And so... All of that has to be taken into consideration, which is probably why Brady ends up back in New England. Um, but uh, but if he came here or anywhere, uh, I believe that um, those teams are going to do what Tom Brady does, and everybody else will have to adapt, and, and they will, and, and, and I think he'll be successful if he's got the right pieces around him. But it won't be the same, and this is where we're going to find out. You know, It's kind of unfair, though, to say, well, now you know, Brady doesn't have Belichick, so let's see what he can do. Well, he's also at the end of his career, okay? So uh, it's going to be hard to kind of judge, you know, apples to apples. He's won six Super Bowls. Um, does he have to win seven or eight to, to justify how good he was uh, with another team? You know, so uh, I don't know. But, uh, boy, it's fun to talk about. So that, that part is kind of fun because right now anything is possible, right? That's the good part of having to keep talking about quarterbacks. Scott asked, if these free agent quarterbacks are released from their teams, doesn't that mean they think they're basically done? And if so, why would we want someone else's junk? Oh, wow, I just answered that, didn't I? Because we can't have anything nice. But seriously, <laughs> why? We can't have nice things. Well, let me just say this. Um, one man's trash is another man's treasure, as Cam Newton once said about Joe McCoy. And it's true. A year ago, the Miami Dolphins traded Ryan Tannehill to the Tennessee Titans to be a backup quarterback, a number two to Marcus Mariota. And John Robinson told Marcus Mariota and the team, this is Marcus's team. However, 
we've got this guy here. He's played a lot of football. He's played pretty high level. And he's our he's our backup quarterback. And if, if we need him to start, he's gonna start. If we need him to, you know, to spell Mariota if he gets hurt, that you know, that's the job. Well, you know, after Mariota got off to a two and four start, Tannehill comes in and is electric and takes them to the NFC championship game and probably probably should have won it. Um so that's you know, that's just the job. I mean, there's there's plenty of examples, including Steve Young. Including Vinny Testaverde uh, after he left Tampa Bay, Trent Dilfer was you know at least the quarterback of record when the Ravens defense won won the Super Bowl against the Giants. So you know there are second acts at the quarterback position. Um, you know a lot of guys go to bad teams when they come out. I mean, I if Jameis Winston is not in Tampa this year, I expect him to be successful somewhere else. I think the change of scenery will be great for him. I don't know that he would ever do it here. You know, maybe he will. Maybe he'll come back and play and take him to the Super Bowl. But I wouldn't wouldn't think that if he's not in Tampa, he's not going to be successful. You know, it, it, a lot of it is just timing, man. You know, and, and if you're drafted high, you go to terrible teams. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen. Coaching changes, scheme changes. So, you know, it's all about the fit and the opportunity and, so that's why so many quarterbacks, you know, and, and the other thing you can't do is you can't give them experience. You know, Ryan Tannehill played a lot of football. So when he went in there, he was prepared. He knew what to expect. Um, that's, that's invaluable. And so for these guys that go to other teams, they're, they're bringing with them their good and their bad experiences. And, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times you get a better version than, than the team they just left. Yeah. And you also have, I mean, you know, the other part of this too, and, and the part we don't talk about with Jameis Winston in the box is if they're willing to go outside, if they're ready to walk away from Jameis Winston, mm-hmm. you're walking away from a quarterback that led you to the fourth highest scoring offense in the league this year, despite throwing 30 picks. Yeah, he made a lot of plays, Steve. They, I yeah. would say this: they were still seven and nine. But what I'm well, no. But my point is, is With that, all of that the Bucks are saying we had a quarterback that led us to a pretty proficient offense despite 30 picks, and we're we're mm-hmm. willing to say we think we can do better. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. that the quarterback position is so important in football mm-hmm. that, I mean, if you really think about it, in most seasons, there's only a handful of teams that can win a Super Bowl, and it's based on quarterback and coaching. Pretty much. That's you, the way I, mean, I judge. It's pretty much the opponents. same quarterbacks and coaches that go back year after year after year to the playoffs. I, I always look at, if I'm trying to decide who's going to win, I go coach quarterback. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the Bucks are, if they're ready to walk away from Jameis, are saying, well, that was a pretty proficient offense. Yes, there was a lot of problems with 30 picks, and he gave away several games in there and probably should have had a better record. Him. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that we're going to roll the dice and try to get better without him. That's if they're, if they're planning on walking away. Is they're, not, they're not settling for what they've had. Right. Now, I don't know if that made that decision. That's just a, you know, if they decide. Right. If, if they've if decided they decide, Jameis isn't the guy, we're moving on. But see, and, and teams do that because in as much as, like, it's so important. The quarterback position is so important. It is a team game. It's the ultimate team game. And that that guy can't function unless everybody else does his job. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you can win different ways. You know, I mean, the Houston – or I'm sorry, the uh, Tennessee Titans have their way of winning, right? They come out. They they were attacking people down the field with the, with, uh, the pass. Um, they were getting up on people, and then they were just squeezing the life out of you. They would run the ball and run the ball and run the ball, and you wouldn't have any possessions. Uh, play defense, field position, all of that. 
They just knew that's that was their MO. They won that way. You know, other teams um are gonna just try to, you know, get you into a track meet, spread you out, you know, uh make you try to stop them, you know, take shots down the field. They're just relentless with their speed. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to win in this league. And so because there are, um, you know, you'll you'll get different uh, different quarterbacks that are successful in in you know on different teams. It it just you know it, it's the ultimate team game. And so you know if the Bucks decided that yeah we can make a lot of plays with Jameis Winston and he can throw for a five thousand one hundred nine yards and throw all these touchdowns and look at us we're explosive and we make all these plays. But you know what we're not going to win enough games. We're just not going to win enough games because we we turn the ball over too much. And so now maybe we make fewer plays down the field. Maybe we're more efficient. Okay. Maybe we play more of a field position game and make our defense give us field position and get takeaways. And instead of, you know, maybe our defense scores a touchdown or some points or sets up some points, and, and we might not be scoring 30 a game, but you know what? We're only giving up 21 a game. So that, you know, there are always different ways to win, and you just got to find your way. But the way they've approached it last year, it, it wasn't successful. It wasn't good enough, you know, especially like Bruce said the last month of the season. And that's when you hope to be playing your best ball. But, you know, to Jameis' defense, okay, broken thumb, bad knee, whatever. I mean, that's the rumor. I can't confirm it. Um, but everybody's hurt in this league the last month. No one feels good. You know, everybody's banged up. And that's just the nature of the position and the beast. So we'll see. Um, it's going to be damn interesting, though. I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, to getting past free agency. Tommy asks, adding some veteran presence in the secondary would help out a lot. But at safety or corner, Dean and Davis seem like a lock at cornerback one and two with Sean Murphy bunning at nickel. Yeah, if they had if they had veteran presence, I, I would expect it to be at safety. Um, you know, Jordan Whitehead obviously did some nice thing. Uh, Mike Edwards uh, came in and did some nice things. It's unfortunate, but Justin Evans was a second round pick of this team a few years ago, and he played no football last year. He's had multiple uh, foot injuries on both feet. Uh, ankle foot and so you know the latest is that they they hope he'll be back um at least you know sometime around otas perhaps a little later i don't know this is one of those things where it could go either way he could come back and be okay and that would be a huge bonus for them uh, or maybe you know god forbid he's unable to, to be a good version of himself and doesn't play again you know we we really don't know he's kind of in that unknown it's been so long since he's he's played on the football field, and every time he gets out there, he gets hurt again. Um, so for his sake, you pray that you know he he can make it back. But I still think that there's room for a veteran, especially on the back end. You know that that sort of spot back there when when everything's in front of you and you're you're making sure everyone's lined up the right way. I mean, there's a lot more to it than the athleticism and the playmaking. Um, you're the quarterback, you know, of that secondary and. Uh, to have somebody that's experienced, I think a lot of successful teams like the Kansas City Chiefs with Tyron, Tyron Matthew had had guys that have been in the wars, that have seen a lot, that have done a lot, played a lot of different football teams, and, and just get it. You know, they just understand it, and uh, they're quarterbacks back there. And I, I think that would be something that they could use, especially with that young group. Those corners aren't going anywhere. They're not going to – they don't need another corner uh, except for depth. Davis made a huge strides last year. We saw how – how Sean Murphy Bunting came on. That kid's really confident. I talked to him last week. Um, he was at the Bucks, and um, and you know Jamel Dean. I mean, all, all he did 
after getting burned in his first game was, I think, you know, practically lead the NFL in pass breakups and then had a couple of interceptions. So that's a good group of corners, young, uh, aggressive, playmaking corners that uh, I think are going to be, you know, going to be here for a long time. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Less ask. Rick, finish this sentence. In week one of the 2020 season, JPP will be playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I just, if he's going to play, I, I don't think it's going to be all about money. They're going to have to pay him. But they, they found a way last year with his neck injury to work out a deal where if he was hurt again, um, you know, the, the Bucks would recoup some money. I mean, it's not the way you want to do contracts necessarily. It was like, he was making $250,000 a game and then some based on his playing time. Uh, and he wound up making probably most of the money he lost back um, except for the six games he didn't play. Um, but but JPP, man, is just he's a unique and rare athlete. <laughs> I cannot, I don't know how he does what he does. He's had, obviously he's had to overcome, you know, the loss of several fingers and the, and the fireworks accident. Um, he's had a bad back. He's had a bad knee. And, and and at the end of the season, he can't practice. He can't practice. And and it's going to be interesting because one thing I think helped him, believe it or not, was not playing the first six weeks last year. He had fresh legs at a point when a guy his age would be slowing down. And he was not slowing down. He was just getting started. Uh, he had eight and a half sacks in ten games. And he was coming on strong. So, you know, now if he has to go through the rigors of a training camp and a preseason, and we're talking about now a 17-game season, it's going to be a test for him, you know. I don't think you want to put all your eggs in his basket and say he's playing every down, which is what he wants to do. Um, but in as much as, you know, he's at the end of his career, I think he really gets, uh, you know, Todd Bowles' defense. I think he really enjoys playing in it. And because of that, uh, and Bowles tries to, you know, tries to maintain him and not, you know, tries to save his reps for the fourth quarter at times, which is going to preserve his career. So I, I think, I think he enjoys playing here. And, you know, I think he sees the talent on this football team and how much better they got after he came back if Shaq Barrett comes back. So, yeah, I, I kind of expect his value to be worth more to the Bucks than it is maybe to another team. Ellis asked, I read somewhere that Des Bryant would be a good fit for the Bucks. Your thoughts? My thoughts are no and hell no. Um, how do you really feel? Well... <laughs> I've had a little experience with Des Bryant. I'm not a big Des Bryant fan. He's overcome some stuff. He's kind of a knucklehead, as uh, my friend Charles Barkley would say. The reason Des Bryant isn't playing is he can't get separation. He's lost that gear, right? He's lost the ability to use that big body to get away from people. And and once that's gone, it's kind of gone. I mean, do we think Des Bryant wouldn't have a job in the NFL if he could really play, if he was even a – even a fraction of what, what they need him to be. Um, and in addition to that, there's always been this thing, right, about 
what you're bringing to your locker room. I mean, I think he 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 meshed well with the Cowboys, and even though he complained about getting the ball times and different things, but I I don't know that he's going to go to every locker room. You know, I think he'd have to have a strong locker room. He'd have to accept a reduced role, third, maybe fourth receiver. You know, on most teams now, that's just where he is in his career. You'd definitely be Look, that, at least that on the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I mean Evans and Godwin are one and two. Yeah. These guys don't play forever. I mean, and that's if you don't resign Brashard Perryman or you don't draft a guy. Look, this draft, by the way, folks, I'll predict they get a wide receiver. I'll just tell you now. Because you it'd be malpractice not to not to. You're not gonna see this many wide receivers that are quality, quality guys all through the first four rounds. They're just really good players, man. So every year that goes by it gets harder for that veteran that's been sitting out there without a team, right? to try to get in and he's been working his butt off you know he's done everything but you know wash jerry's car i mean i you know he can't get the cowboys to sign him much less anybody else and he's there in dallas so no i don't think he's a good fit for the bucks all right matt asked the bucks have been in raymond james stadium longer than the original tampa stadium could they be wanting a new one soon or at least a major upgrade like miami are fans tired of sitting in the heat when other teams are getting new domes or partially covered stadiums with more shade they may be the the uh, you know, the thing Miami did with the awnings is cost cost prohibitive. You would not put that on a twenty year build, building, and unfortunately, that seems to be about the shelf life of these stadiums. You know, the Georgia Dome was twenty years old when they tore it down, and they built a beautiful stadium. And you know who built it? Rich McKay, the same guy that built Raymond James. In essence, I think it's naive, completely naive, to think that within the next two to five years that the Glazers aren't going to come to Hillsborough County, uh, whomever, and say, we got to have a new stadium. I, I, I'm sure it's going to happen. No one's told I haven't talked to a soul. I'm not trying to start rumors. I just, you know, I'm just looking at the, I'm looking at the landscape of the NFL. And the Glazers have sunk $160 million into that building, so maybe they don't need to tear it down right away. Maybe that you know that got him a Super Bowl that might get him through most of this decade, or maybe by but by the end of this decade, when you're talking about a 30 year old building, yeah, and and you know the heat is a thing, and there are people that won't go to the games in September because of it, and you know um, there are things you can do, and there's a lot of land out there, you know, because they went from where the old sombrero was, and and you know moved it over to where what used to be Al Lopez Field is now, and that's that's the new sombrero or Raymond James. And now there's a blank parking lot where the old sombrero was, and you can move it back, right? You can have build a stadium on that land and then raise Raymond James. So I I, I do think it's going to happen. And I don't know when. No one's talking about it. The Glazers aren't talking about it. But I'm just looking around and saying, yo, um, why wouldn't they think they could get this? Well, Rootin' for UF had a question. He said, had the Rays gotten the okay in 2007 to build a stadium at the Al Lang site, what would we be saying about that stadium today? Love it or hate it? I don't know. I mean, from a scenic standpoint, I don't think there have been many better than other than where the Giants play, right, on San Francisco Bay, mm-hmm. McCovey Cove. I mean, I, that's that's one of the most picturesque spots in Tampa Bay. You know, I watched a lot of games. I played games at Al Lang um, in my youth, as they say. Uh, my dad came down here in 1915, played the old Alang in the same the same spot of the property there, by Albert Witted. It's gorgeous. 
I don't know what we'd be saying because I think at the time the design was like sails and it wasn't domed and I think we'd be saying they had a lot of rain outs and they should probably put a roof on this thing. Um, but as far as as far as picturesque goes, I mean, it's a great spot, you know. Um, but it's St. Petersburg, right? And, you know, doesn't look like Stu Sternberg thinks any stadium in St. Petersburg will succeed. So they would still have that problem. People still got to drive across the bridge. They got to, you know, all of that. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think it's more than the stadium, whether it's, you know, just in St. Pete where the dome is now, or if it was at Albert Witted or in that area where, where Alang is, I, I still think that it, there needs to be, you know, more corporate support. There needs to be a different model. Uh, maybe, you know, John Romano wrote a column the other day. It was smart. You know, they sold out these, these standing room only seats. They had like a thousand of them or stand, they're not seats if you stand, but standing room only tickets for the season. They went like hotcakes, you know, and maybe, maybe, you know, economics is a big thing in this area. People don't have as much disposable income. If you don't have the corporate support and you're relying on ticket sales, maybe you got to continue to be more creative like that. You know, um, you know, I, I, I don't have the answers, but my, my initial thought is had they built one in LA, it would have been aesthetically very pleasing, but I'm not sure you would have gotten a whole lot many more fans. I'm just not sure. All right. Less ask. Gaylord Perry's in the Baseball Hall of Fame, even though he admitted to everyone he doctored the baseball. Hell, he even wrote a book about it. Why does he get a pass and the steroid guys don't? And how does what he did compare to what the Astros did? Well, I don't know. Um, I think a lot of guys doctored baseballs back then. Some are doctoring it now with pine tar and other substances, but I don't think he was the only one. Um, and, and that's the problem, right, is that if you kind of had the you know, no-look-no-tell policy, as baseball obviously did, it's kind of hard to, to say, you know, even though he came clean with it, that he should be the poster boy for all that was wrong, you know, with pitchers back in those days. It was a different era. And that's the problem we have with baseball is that you have all these eras. I, I still, I'm one that believes that Barry Bonds and, and, you know, Alex Rodriguez and some of those guys should go in the Hall of Fame because I think they were the greatest players of their generation. I don't care what they took. They were that before, and, and you did it enhance their careers. Absolutely. Should they have cheated? No. But in certain instances, I know what I see, you know, and those were great baseball players. Um, I don't know if they'd have the longevity and all that. I just think that, you know, baseball has gone through these times. And, however, I don't, I don't think what the Astros did is quite the same. I mean, it's a team. It was an entire team practice to use technology to get the sign and know what was coming on every pitch for every game if they chose to do it at home. And that just seems like above and beyond anything we've seen to me. It it, it seems Mm -hmm. like an absolute intention to cheat, um, no remorse whatsoever. You know, those guys were taking steroids and stuff. Yeah, they... People kind of knew it. Baseball didn't care. Baseball, the game itself didn't care. They 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 were making money. The guys were hitting the ball five hundred feet. The home run chase was on with Sosa and McGuire, and everybody loved it, especially the owners that were raking in the money. So it's a little hypocritical, you know, now to say, "Oh, those guys, they were cheaters. We shouldn't put them in our Hall of Fame." Eh, you didn't seem to think that that was a bad thing, and but this, 
you know, and we've had pitchers tell us, I'd rather face a guy with all the steroids coursing through his veins as he can. As long as he don't know what's coming, it's not a guarantee he's going to hit me mm-hmm. at all. Um, but to know and to have a systematic cheating routine and relay the signs to the degree that that they had such an advantage at the plate just seems like a different level to me. Did you see Trevor Bauer's comments this week? No. A pitcher who said that baseball ought to be looking at the pine tar the pitchers use. Interesting. That it gives them an unfair advantage on every pitch. Interesting. And he's complained about this for years. Um, mm-hmm. And, he, you know, it, it says that you can do things with the baseball, make it do drastically different things with the baseball at the same velocity. That's probably true. You know, th- there's there was talk about in 2008 that he used pine tar in one single inning to prove that pine tar helps pitchers with spin really? rate. It was a uh-huh. start against the Rangers, and in the first inning, his spin rate on his pitches jumped 300 RPM. And it was back to his normal spin rate the rest of the game. Interesting. And that, you know, that, that sticky substance does stuff to the baseball and it allows you to make the, the ball move in ways it's not supposed to move naturally. And, and this is a pitcher coming out saying that pitch, pitcher shouldn't be in baseball. Shouldn't I, know one, I know one thing it does. It helps him grip it. And mm-hmm. if I'm a hitter and he's not throwing at my head because he can control the ball, I'm grateful. <laughs> yes, but How if he can that? also spin it 300 RPM more and, well, and get it to move, you know, reverse ways of what it's supposed can to. Can everybody do that though? I mean, do, well, they, well, I don't know if it, I don't know if everyone's using it or not. I mean, I have no idea or how much they're yeah. using. And that's kind of like you know, I used to hear about the spitball. Oh, he throws a spitball. Can every do you know? You could put a ball in a bucket of water. I wouldn't know how to make it do anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't. I know everybody uses pine tar out there on the mound, but. To what degree that helps them, I can't. I couldn't say. I know. I know what it would help you if you knew it was coming, though. Yes. That I. That I can. That I can tell you. Yeah. If you know if it's fastball or off speed, it's a lot easier yeah. to hit. I know it's going to be easier to hit, but I don't know if I have pine tar or don't have pine tar. How much? What degree that helps you? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know if it's going to help every pitcher. I know it's going to help every hitter if you knew what was coming. Yeah. So, that's that's kind of the difference there. All right, uh, great questions. My thanks to everybody that submitted them. You don't have to wait for a mailbag. You can send those to us anytime on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Big weekend, of course, the Lightning hosting Calgary uh, at Amelie Arena. I'm going to that game. That's a 4 o'clock game on Saturday. It's going to be a good one for the kids, the kiddos to watch. And then the Vipers have a Sunday night football game, XFL, against the D.C. Defenders. Yeah, Sunday night game, man. It's like, you know. Yeah. I don't know if uh, you know Al and Chris are going to be calling the game or slide on in. Yeah, although actually it's ESPN two, so I, I doubt they're on. probably not. But with or without Quentin Flowers, that's going to happen with the Vipers hosting the DC's Defenders. So busy weekend in sports locally. Of course, the Rays continue uh, to get ready for uh, their season with spring training. We've got lots of NFL. We're getting closer and closer now um, to the the date in which uh, the deadline for for tagging. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Franchise and transition players. That's going to yep. be March uh, March twelfth, yeah, and we're, then we're just a couple March. weeks from the uh, Grand Prix as well. Yeah, St. Petersburg and, uh, and Valspar's coming up. Valspar's and... coming up. I saw I got a credential for that. I guess I'm going to be going out there working in. I don't know. A little golf. I do it all, man. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get we'll run down Bob Harrig and yeah. talk a little, little Tiger Woods or something. Conference tournaments are coming up in basketball, and then March Madness will be here before you know it. First and second round in Tampa. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, we got that. we got games in Tampa this year. So yeah, exciting stuff. Exciting stuff on this podcast. We hope you join us. We're here every Monday through Friday. 
Uh, thanks again. And for Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you on Monday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.